Our text of Scripture this morning comes from the epistle to the Colossian church in the New Testament. I frankly am grateful to be out of the minor prophets of the Old Testament as we make our way towards Advent and Christmas. Reading from the first chapter of Colossians, beginning with the 11th verse. Listen for God's word. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience, while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? And so, gracious God, as we begin this week of thanksgiving, we do come before you with thanks. Thanks for all the amazing things that this past year has held. And thanks for the ways in which you hold us. Speak to us now, as only a living God can. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, I know many of us will be returning home this week to celebrate Thanksgiving. Now, I won't be returning to my original home in the state of Minnesota this year, but There's a great storyteller from that state who's reflected on this holiday and I think perhaps has reflected on all of our lives. Of course, I'm talking about Garrison Keillor. Garrison Keillor tells a Thanksgiving story in one of his books about that fictitious place called Lake Wobegon. I can still see it, actually. Clarence Bunsen wasn't in church he writes. Arlene went, but the mister stayed home because he wasn't feeling very thankful. He got up that morning and he stepped on a screw and tried to levitate off it and strained his back. His back didn't go out, but it felt kind of weak, so he didn't want to slip in the bathtub. Instead of taking a shower, he took a bath and he sat there in the water and felt like an old vet in a vet's hospital. 
And then climbing out, he slipped and strained his back again, another part. And then while he was combing his hair, a clump came out from that bunch that he'd been combing across the top in the hopes that it would take hold. He came down to the kitchen feeling that somehow life had turned against him. Arlene said, have a cup of coffee, that'll perk you up. And usually that's all a Norwegian needs. Norwegians have been revived by this method, including those whose EKGs were flatlined. Just a sip of coffee on their lips and the pen would jump. Clarence felt like coffee wouldn't make much of a difference. The story continues with preparations for Thanksgiving Day. Their daughter, Barbara Ann, and son-in-law, Bill, were coming for the holiday this year. Clarence and Arlene felt that the real reason they were coming was to announce that after 10 years of marriage, they were going to get a divorce. Keeler skillfully describes their parents' reaction to this anticipated news, and he sets the dialogue in this kitchen scene on Thanksgiving morning. Clarence is preparing the potatoes, waiting for the news to land. And he's rehearsing his reaction. Well, kids, it's your decision. I can't say I approve, but I can certainly sympathize. I mean, Arlene and I have been married for 40 years, but there have been some times. And then Barbara Ann told him. She said, we have an announcement. We're going to have a baby in April. And Clarence almost said, well, kids, that's your decision. <laughs> I certainly can sympathize. And then the happy news began to dawn. And as it did, tears came to his eyes. He had to blow his nose. And that happy news lit up the afternoon. An unseen child in that house with them, a child sleeping inside his daughter. It was a quiet, happy dinner, writes Keeler. Now this Thanksgiving week, some of us in here may feel like life has turned against us. Disappointment turns to joy in this story in an unexpected way because of an unseen child in their midst. And maybe this year, perhaps more than any other, this year maybe it's the coming of Christmas that provides the basis for thanksgiving and our gratitude. Life rarely unfolds in the ways that we think it's going to or should. Even elections are unpredictable despite all of the analysis and all of the surveys. But like the joy that comes from an unseen child sleeping inside, Christian faith finds joy and thankfulness in the midst of life's struggles and circumstances rather than beyond them. Because there's an unseen presence and that changes everything.
Paul describes it here in this text. In Jesus Christ, all things hold together. Elsewhere in Romans, he writes, I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. Our text today proclaims that Jesus Christ is the adhesive that holds life together. He's the fulcrum. He is a still point in a turning world where our lives find integration and a sense of balance. The language of this text is expansive and poetic. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. In fact, the claim here is that the entire universe is held together through and for him. There's no more lofty language of exaltation anywhere in the New Testament. And this Christ is the head of the church, which is also held together by him and for him. Not long ago, I was flying a kite with my grandson. It was a Ninja Turtle kite with a long double tail. He loved launching it. And then he would run back to me so he could take control of the string. We would let it out all the way, as far as it would go. But he especially loved pulling it back down to earth. For a kite to fly properly, it takes some good aerodynamics, takes a good tail, takes a little bit of wind, but most importantly, it takes someone holding the string at the center. The tension is what keeps the kite from either blowing away or crashing unceremoniously into the ground. Our lives are like that kite. To soar, they have to have something at the center. Christ is the one who holds our lives at the center, provides that kind of tension needed in life for us to really take flight. See, the problems for the Colossians was not that their faith and lives hadn't gotten off the ground, but they were no longer focusing on the sufficiency of Christ. And they were all tied up in knots over rules and regulations, over ascetic practices that made them look religious, but actually undermined their faith. They didn't fully comprehend or appreciate who Jesus Christ really is and what that matters and why that matters for human life. How could you tell? Well, they were all worried about their religious life. They were all twisted up with do's and don'ts, uncertain about their lives, and they were easily influenced by any speaker who came along with another self-improvement program. Later in the same book of Colossians, the apostle writes, Why do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. 
All these regulations refer to things that perish with use. They're simply human commands and teachings. In other words, this stuff is only secondary. It doesn't really matter in the end. There's a kind of religion that looks very serious and it's very demanding, but it actually produces very little. It's characterized by self-imposed restraints and pietistic rules with little of the freedoms that Christ has brought and intends for us. The key to keeping our lives in balance is to have Christ holding us at the center. And real faith produces gratefulness, produces generosity. The early Christians weren't thankful people because of their circumstances any more than our ancestors in this country, the pilgrims, gathered that first Thanksgiving because they were so blessed. They gathered and they gave thanks because they had survived. These instructions to the early Christians didn't emerge out of a context that was cheery or easy. They faced persecution as a small struggling community of faith. Their future was uncertain, torn by tensions within between Jews and Gentiles economic difficulties, political problems that would become gargantuan. The destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and ultimately the fall of Rome. Their circumstances didn't produce their grateful attitude. Their faith did. So Paul writes, Endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father has nothing to do with fair skies or good times. This is the will of God for us. These are the marching orders for the faithful. Because there's a transcendent energy source in Christ that lifts our spirits and it sets our lives to flight. And the only response to that is gratefulness and thanksgiving. There are real struggles. There are difficult problems and painful realities that we all face in life. But here's the insight. Christ is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. These various aspects of our lives find completion and fulfillment in Him. Our personalities, our emotional lives our spirits, our relational lives, our marriages and our family lives, our congregation, our communities, our political and economic life, all held together by God. No aspect is beyond God's concern and no dimension is unaffected by our faith. Paul puts it this way in another book, the secret is this, Christ in you, holding your life together. So this mighty weight can be lifted from our shoulders. Nothing may be particularly changed in the circumstances of our lives, but we can be different. 
A hopeless situation becomes hopeful in the early church because God is at work reconciling all things to himself. And God is still at work. So this Thanksgiving, you may come down into the kitchen in your home like Clarence in Lake Wobegon, and you may feel like all of life has turned against you. Or if you're simply having a hard time keeping it all together. And like the pilgrims, you can only be thankful because you've survived. Remember, there's this unseen reality in our midst. It's that child that we celebrate at Christmas morning. And that unseen reality has the power to turn our complaining into gratitude and into joy and into generosity. So may you be made strong with the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and he's transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption. Thanks be to God. Amen.